You're listening to Empowered Parenting, Real Parents, Real Stories, a podcast that inspires parents to feel courageous and confident in their parenting journey. Listen in with parent and child therapist Cindy Smolkin and Elisa Daly, Executive Director of First Foundation's Jewish Community Preschools, and meet real parents struggling with real issues. Tune in to help you and your children build resilience. Let's get connected. Welcome to Empowered Parenting, Real Parents, Real Stories. So this is a really interesting episode. Um, it's an episode that you would think on a, you know, on a parenting podcast that we would do towards the beginning, but I actually think it's a really interesting place where we've put it. We're talking about the idea of becoming a parent, what goes into that, the emotion, the pre-planning, th- this idea of destiny and it's a topic that really has such depth. And so it seems like a simplistic topic, but um, when we get into it with our very special guest, you'll see how many different directions it can go. We have a really special guest on today. Her name is Kim Smiley. She is a mom of two. Um, She has a little boy who's four and a daughter who's two. And she has a jewelry store, her flagship store is in Toronto, and she's also the creator of The Empathy Effect and The Empathy Empire. So she's a natural fit with this podcast because all we do is talk about empathy and compassion. Um, And so, yeah, let's get into it. We're going to dig into this idea of becoming a parent with Kim. So let's listen in. Kim, it is such a pleasure. Uh, You are a very, very busy woman. So the fact that you can give us an hour of your time, uh, we're very grateful. Thank you. We are going to talk about kind of the broad concept of entering into parenthood and how people enter into parenthood could kind of happen in a variety of ways. You know, there are some people who, who I don't know, maybe we'd say are so lucky that, you know, they could be so planful about how they enter parenthood and it goes kind of seamless for them. And then there are other people who, you know, choose to go into parenthood in a different way, you know, try to, you know, have a child, you know, maybe through adoption or surrogacy. There are some people who, who desperately try to have children and that becomes kind of complicated and there could be fertility issues and there could be miscarriage issues. There are so many paths to getting to parenthood. And then once we get to parenthood, uh, once you know we, we know that we're going to have a child or we're pregnant or the child actually arrives, a massive journey begins. So Kim, I'm gonna like jump right in with you and kind of ask you, you know, you're a mom, you're a mom to two young children. Can you talk about kind of how you entered into parenthood and what that was like for you. Sure. So thank you for having me. We entered into parenthood in, I guess, a tumultuous kind of way. It wasn't an easy road for us. It wasn't a peaceful, simple road. It took a long time for us to become parents. And there were many moments along the road where I wasn't sure we would become parents. And it was my lifelong dream to be a mom. And so the elusiveness of parenthood was very painful for me. But ultimately, we have a happy ending. I'm very aware and empathetic towards people who don't have a happy ending or people who are still on the road towards trying to achieve that dream of parenthood. But it was a very elusive dream, but it it did ultimately happen for us. 
I was pregnant four times before a pregnancy actually took. So I've been pregnant a total of six times and I have two children. One of the times that I was pregnant, I had twins and we lost those twins during the pregnancy. I think I was 12 weeks. So it was a, it was a protracted journey for us, but I'm very grateful that I, I have two children now and they're happy and healthy and beautiful. And, and I'm like, I'm living my dream of motherhood which is, which is a, like a, something that I'm so grateful for every day. That's so lovely. I have like, look at me, like I have tears in my eyes as you're speaking. And like, I like the joy for you to have this happy ending, but you know, I didn't have a difficult road, you know, having my kids, but like, even when you tell your story, I swear I'm like teary eyed because I can't imagine what that would have felt like to want to become a mother so badly like in the depths of your soul and for that road to kind of not be so easy and so you know I think that part of your story is not going to be unfamiliar to a lot of people I think you know becoming pregnant easily is in fact like not the norm you know and so I think there's a lot of people who would find what you just said very relatable and so I can imagine that the journey for you probably had a lot of tears, a lot of grief. How did you manage that? Like, how did you, how did you keep on going? How did you keep trying? How did you keep, I have to imagine there was some hope still in you. How did you do that? I think I realized the depths of my resiliency in the process of trying to become a mother. I never knew quite how resilient I was because I was never really tested before. But trying to become a parent was the greatest test of resiliency that I had ever had. And each time a pregnancy wouldn't take, I resolved that I would not do it again because it was so painful. But what's incredible about the human spirit is how we bounce back. And if we have a longing in our heart that's very deep, I think there's a correlation with that longing and how resilient we are. Right. So I would, especially after I had the miscarriage of the twins, I, I told my doctor, I, I'm not doing this again. Like I can't do this anymore. And he was very sympathetic and very empathetic towards me. And he said, I understand. Like I, if you were my sister, I would tell you the same thing. I would say use donor eggs and, you know, just stop because it is so painful about two weeks after I lost the twins, I decided I was going to try again. I just felt like there was a good egg and I'm, I'm not, I wasn't against using donor eggs. Um, you know, I, I was, I wanted to become a mother by any means necessary, but I just felt like there was one good egg. And it's, it's funny because my son, Sam, my miracle baby, Samuel Raphael, my angel of healing, I call him, he has, I have a picture of him when he's a little kid. Like, I think he was like four months old and it says good egg on it. Um, so he was my good egg. Finally, with the, the fifth time I, I got pregnant, it was with Samuel. And um, the doctor was shocked <laughs> that, I, that I found my good egg. But the reality is, and a lot, of, um, a lot of doctors will tell you this, is that they just don't know. There's so much mystery in this process. And when you meet a doctor who has that level of spirituality or that level of humility, they'll often tell you, like, we don't know. I wasn't actually a candidate for any kind of intervention like with um, IVF or anything like that. 
So, um, you know, I, I didn't have a hard time getting pregnant. I just had a hard time staying pregnant. So with Sam, during the whole process of being pregnant with him, I was over the moon. I, I had never been more elated in my life than when I was pregnant with Sam. I just felt like I could have lifted a car. I felt so energized and so alive. And so just, I was living my life's dream when I was pregnant with him, right? So I just felt so great. Um, with, with my daughter, Maya, I, I had a, a, another child after Sam two years later, or two years and four months later, and I felt the opposite with Maya. Like I had no energy. I was, I was flatlined creatively. And I have a whole theory about carrying boys and girls that I, that, you know, I'll share if you're interested, um, I could share it with you now, but you know, just, it's, it's so interesting. Like with, with Sam, I, um, I was in such a state of joy when I was pregnant with him. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't even believe that I was pregnant. I just was, I was like every single moment felt like I was just walking on a cloud. I just, I was like, I was incredulous really that I was pregnant and, um, and thank God, you know, I was able to, to carry the pregnancy to term and, and give birth to this healthy baby boy. So I have two questions for you. My second question is going to be, I want to hear your theory. Cause now that you dropped that little nugget out there, I'm curious and I'm sure listeners would be, but before I ask you that question, when you finally got pregnant with your good egg, which at the time that you found out you're pregnant, I have to imagine that you didn't know for sure that that was the good egg. And so I have to imagine at the beginning of the pregnancy, you might've felt quite anxious and, and like, you know, what's gonna happen this time. Was there a point that you could remember a turning point where you could comfortably celebrate that pregnancy? Absolutely, because of technology and the advancements in technology, I was being so closely followed by genetics at Mount Sinai Hospital that I knew at 12 weeks that this baby was a healthy baby. And I also knew in my heart that he was a healthy baby. I just, I just knew it. When, when, when I found out I was pregnant with him, I, after that 12-week harmony test came back, you know, that genetic test that they give women over a certain age or women who have had problems in terms of like with the genetics of the, of the, of the babies. Um, when, when that test came back, I sunk into the joy, you know, of the, of the, um, of the pregnancy. Like I just, I knew it, it just felt so good. I felt so, I've, I honestly, guys, I've never felt so energized or so creative in my life. Cause I felt like I was just, I was, I was making this human being. Right. And, um, but that, that relates to my theory. So that to get to your, to your second question, so now I didn't have anxiety actually with that pregnancy. Like once I found out that the harmony test was normal, I was, I was okay. And um, I was able to really enjoy it. The physical changes to my body, I, I enjoyed them so much. Like I was like, I was almost like observing my body outside of itself and like watching these miraculous changes take place with how I was, I was basically developing this whole new body, right? And I was, I, I was writing about it. And that's one of the ways that I might've worked out some subconscious anxiety. I, I wrote through the whole pregnancy because I was writing the empathy effect through the whole pregnancy. And so um, that was, was a gift that I think, um, the gift of writing about it. Get into um, your theory in one second, but I just want to say, like, I love how you describe it. You know, certainly, uh, and I would probably even be one of them, like a, a woman who <clears throat> kind of maybe didn't enjoy pregnancy so much because I was like sick as a dog. So it was hard to enjoy completely. But when you describe it, it sounds like you were marveling 
in awe and wonder about like this transformation in your body and not just from like a, a physical sense, but like the reason behind all that. It sounds like it was, it really was a, a, a you know, a wonder of the world that you were appreciating, which is so lovely. Okay, get to your theory. And then I have another question, but another question, we're gonna pause and get to that in a second, but give us your theory. But let me just, just build on what you were just saying before. I just, I think that when I was longing to have a child, I used to look at women who were pregnant and I didn't have envy towards them, but I just, I would marvel at the beauty of their bodies. And it would just be something that I had such an appreciation for of like the sanctity of what they were doing. And I did have a longing to have that myself, right? Like to, to, to be a temple for the soul. I think that was another element when I was carrying Sam is that I was a temple myself and I was carrying this soul. And it was just, it was just so humbling and just, it, I felt so embodied because I, I really do live a lot in my mind. And it was one of the first times in my life that I was really living in my body, even though it wasn't, it wasn't all like a cakewalk for me. Like I had some issues too, like we all do when we're pregnant, right? There's some physical things that happen that are uncomfortable, but just, I think it was the first time in my life that I had really this appreciation for my body that I'd never had before, you know, That's just so cool. carrying this baby. It was just, it was, it was very, um, it was very cool, you know, and I was, I wasn't young. I wasn't a young girl when I had him. Right. So it was like, I was watching these changes to my body and it was like, I almost felt like when I was a teenager and when, you know, I remember once when I was in high school and I was changing in the locker room and I, I caught sight of my body in the mirror and I didn't recognize that it was me because I was going through puberty and I just didn't recognize that the body was mine. I'd find myself doing the same thing when I was pregnant with Sam. I'd like pass by the mirror and I'd be like, I can't believe this is my body. It's wild. Like, it was just like this wild kind of like experience in terms of, you know, just my identity, I guess. hundred percent. And it is. I mean, and I love that you noticed all that and paid attention to all that. I mean, that's the beginning. Well, not the beginning of the journey, That's, but that's a part of it. You know, I have this picture of myself when I was pregnant, like literally in the last few days with my son. And I've showed this picture to like my partner and other people and, and people's reactions like, oh my God, you're huge. Oh my God, look how bloated you are. And it's so weird because I look at the picture and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so gorgeous. Like, oh my God, that is, it's insane that that's me and that's my body and that's a human in there. It's funny, but I really get it. Okay, give us your theory and then we're gonna take a short pause. So my theory was that when I was carrying Sam, as I just said, I was so fully embodied and I felt so beautiful when I was carrying him. I felt so feminine. And there's a notion in Sanskrit. So my, my background's in Asian religion and philosophy and, and women's studies. And so there's this idea in Sanskrit that's called Shakti. I'm actually wearing a necklace that says Shakti. Shakti is the female energy of the goddess. It's the female energy of the divine. And every religion has it. Like in, in Hebrew, it's called Shekinah. You know, every religion has a, an iteration of this idea. But when I was pregnant with Sam, my Shakti was whole because he wasn't drawing on my feminine energy to be created. But when I was pregnant with Maya, my daughter, two and a half years later, Maya was taking my complete reservoir of Shakti, my complete reservoir of divine female energy, because she is 
this like incredible girl. She's she's two, but she has so much female energy. She has so much Shakti that she depleted my reservoir of Shakti. And so I had never been more creatively flatlined than when I was pregnant with Maya. And as soon as she came out of my body, literally within hours, I felt my femininity and my my power, my divine power, female power come back to me. And after Maya's birth, I had this incredible spurt of creativity. And the, the, the interesting thing though is that if, when I look back on my pregnancy with Sam, I had nine months of creativity with him. Like I had never been so creative. So it's almost like, it was like the polar opposite. It was like the yin and the yang, and it was totally opposite extremes between being pregnant with a, with a boy and with a girl. And um, for me, I was just, I, I couldn't even believe I got pregnant again, just because I never thought I'd be able to have a second child. But one of the things that the doctors did tell me is that when I did have a, a healthy pregnancy with Sam, they said they thought that I could get pregnant again. So, but I didn't believe it. It's one thing for doctors to tell you something, but it's another for you to internalize that. And I, I just was just shocked that I had one healthy baby. So I, I was, I was happy with that, and I was, I wasn't looking to get pregnant again. And and then just Maya was just like a second miracle for us. You know what I love about, you know, that kind of like such a spiritual frame. So you have Sam, like you're, you're kind of like miracle little child. And then you have your daughter who, who, what an interesting concept that you, from the moment in utero, as two women, as two females, sharing an energy together. And, and so on the one hand, we can say she like, you know, kind of sucked your Shakti out of you. But on the other hand, we can say she borrowed it from you. You gave her that gift and the universe knew that she wasn't taking it from you. The universe knew you're just loaning it to her. You're going to get it right back when she comes out into the world. It's so beautiful. Okay, Kim, let's take a quick pause. And then I have like, like a bigger question above all this um, to ask you. When I told Kim that I had tears in my eyes, I really, really meant it. Um, she has such a powerful story and, and it's so quite amazing that she shares this kind of very big story of, of grief and loss in her journey to becoming a parent, but also hope and optimism and resilience to move forward. It's such a, such a tricky balance and, and to hear her her deep and profound uh, desire to become a parent and all that she went through to make that happen is so powerful. And, and listen, most parents, everyone has a different story of how they landed into parenthood. And so, you know, we heard Kim's powerful and, 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 and painful slash glorious story at the same time. Elisa, I'm wondering for you, because I know your story is a little bit different. I wonder, like, do you feel comfortable to share your story of how you landed into parenthood? It's interesting, Cindy. Cindy and I have these conversations offline before we start recording. And we have sort of like a plan-ish of what we're going to talk about. And in the time period from when we finished planning to when Cindy just intro to me now, I, I had a very emotional thought. Um, and I'm going to try and get through it without crying. Actually, I guess it could be a first if I cry on the podcast. Of course. And the thought was that I grew up with Ben. 
Ben and I happened as a little duo because I didn't come into parenthood. I feel like so many women these days have a, have a thing. They get married and they figure out their career and then they have children and then they either stop working or take a hiatus from work and then they go back. I got pregnant very much not planned um, at 27 after just being married for like seven months. And I was at a very weird point in trying to figure out who I was as an adult. I had big dreams and big brain, <laughs> but, but it wasn't set in stone. And then I got pregnant. Um, and I was dealing with some other health issues and found out through investigating those health issues that I was pregnant. And I didn't have any friends who were married. Um, I had one close girlfriend, but she wasn't pregnant. And I, Ben and I were this, um, were this little duo. It was not something that, obviously, if you look at what I do for a living, you can see that I love kids and I'm actually like pat on my shoulder, quite good with them. <laughs> but I never had big dreams or big visions or, or anything. I knew that I loved Rob and I wanted to be married to him. And I, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I, and I didn't know that how many kids or, or when I wanted to have kids or any of it. And I, I came into my career and to parenthood at the exact same time. And Ben was my sidekick for a very long time. We waited five years to have our little Noah. And so when I think about my journey of parenthood, I think about I think about Ben as, as my companion and um, Ben as my comfort and Ben as my pusher into places of severe discomfort. Um, but I also think that it's what people always say to me, how did you do what you do, did with your career? And I think it's because of Ben, because I felt so, I jumped off this cliff and I was just I was falling. So I, I made it like interesting and exciting. And I just kept going because it didn't, my life didn't, wasn't supposed to look any way. So it just kept unraveling. And it was like these wonderful surprises one after the other. Okay. <laughs> this episode so far, like how many tissues are listeners using? Uh, so interesting, Elisa. So I'll kind of speak to kind of the obvious first and then go to the less obvious. But when I hear Kim's story and when I hear yours, boy, oh boy, does it ever reinforce the notion of what the hell is a life plan? We can have a life plan from today to tomorrow, but the universe often has other arrangements for us. And Kim's resilience to keep on pushing through all the loss to find that good egg you joining with Ben and flying together are stories of like, okay, life has taken a turn that I didn't quite expect nor plan for, but okay, I got to go with it. I got to figure out how to go with it because I guess there isn't, isn't a choice. Yeah. And the uh, end feeling and the end result for in two totally different stories was the same. 
hundred percent. And so the other kind of even more profound layer is this whole concept of parenthood. And so here, the beginning of your story and the beginning of Kim's story, before little humans actually came into the world, listen to how much emotion gets wrapped up into it. That it just captures the essence of the intensity of the experience of even contemplating parenthood, never mind stepping into the journey, however that unfolds. It's huge. Um, and it's just both yours and Kim's stories really identify that. But let's jump back in and kind of hear more of kind of Kim telling her journey. Okay, Kim, you are um, remarkably powerful in the way that you speak and you tell your story. And, you know, and I would imagine like a listener who's listening to you, whether someone is in the process of trying to have a baby or is currently pregnant or just had a baby, you paint it in this most beautiful light, which I love. It's so beautiful. So, so here's my question for you. You know, you yourself have had, as you say, like a tumultuous journey to finally kind of have these children that you longed for and you kept at it and you trusted in your resiliency to handle it even though in in the moment if you had a loss you'd kind of be like I'm done but then within two weeks you'd be right back at it so my question to you is if we think of like in life as human beings if we are striving so hard to achieve something and we essentially get knocked down once and knocked down twice and knocked down three times oftentimes we'll throw in the towel we'll decide that this is not achievable so while I understand that part of you continuing on was about your resilience, what I'm interested in is why was this notion of having a child so massively important to you? What was it about that? So, so speak spiritually if you need to, just take me where, why was this so important for you? So there's two separate things that I would say can answer your question. The first is about destiny. And I have a very strong sense of destiny and what my destiny is and what my purpose is. And the second thing that I would say is that as badly as I wanted this dream to manifest, I also have become very well-versed in the art of letting go. So there's a very famous Zen koan that says, let go or be dragged. And I realized that I was being dragged through fertility, like a lot of women are. I wasn't enjoying the process of trying to have a baby. It was, it was, it was painful. It was, um, it was arduous, right? It, was, it wasn't breezy like it is for some people. Because I think a lot of women are having babies later in life because we're going after education, careers, all these different competing things in our lives, the road is often trickier for women today, right? For modern women today, like especially in North America or you know, certain countries where career is really something that's so prized and esteemed, right? I, I wasn't even thinking about having kids when I was 30. I was like, I had just finished grad school. I was working on my education and my career. But one of the things that I think got me through the, the, the sort of the tumultuousness as, as, you, as you put it, and I think I mentioned that word as well, is that I'm, I've cultivated the skill and the art of letting go of things. So I had almost let go of the 
not the dream, but I, I, I let go of the story that I had in my head about the way it would happen. So I was open to it happening in a lot of different ways. I was, I was open to adopting. I was open to all kinds of, you know, fostering. I had all these ideas of how I could become a mother that I was open to. So I let go of the idea of having a biological child. Like I, I kind of let go of that because I wanted to be a mother so badly because I felt it was a part of my destiny. But at the same time, I vacillated a lot. And, you know, when the doctor told me, like, I agree with you, Kim, like, this is just too much, like, just, you know, just get, get some donor eggs and just be done with it, you know, because we know you can carry a baby. It was just like the quality of the eggs that was the issue, right? Because I was older. There's a voice in your, in your, in your head, or maybe it's the soul. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it was like, it was the voice that told me to try one more time, right? And that was ultimately the magic time when it happened. But I do believe in magic and miracles and all these different things. And I do believe in destiny, but I wasn't sure how it would happen. I just knew that it would happen. So that gave me a certain amount of solace and a certain amount of comfort to let go, like to let go of the way it would happen, right? Because what I know just from life is that we often don't have control. And I think being in COVID right now is, is something that I was almost, I, I, I was prepared for, unlike a lot of other people, because I had been through an experience like so many women who are listening, where I had no control over the outcome. And it was my body that was disavowing the control. We, we often don't have control over fertility, right? Like as much as you want something, it sometimes just can't happen, right? And so I had sort of like built up a certain level of discipline with um with just like letting go and not being in control of things because i i think that was the main thing about the fertility piece is that once i let go of that idea of that idea that i had control over this and i'm not saying you know you can't do things you can you could eat healthy you know you could try to minimize the stress in your life but even if you do those things it doesn't matter no, wasn't, that wasn't going to change your eggs. That wasn't going to change my eggs. It wasn't going to change the fact that I waited till my like mid thirties to try to get pregnant. You know, it wasn't going to change any of those things, but I find we often blame ourselves for things that we can't control. Right. And part of that blaming can get us in this vicious cycle and it's a downward cycle and it's so unfair to ourselves and it's so unempathetic to ourselves. Right. Like I feel like the way people flagellate themselves through the fertility journey, like I myself, did this as well. It's like you feel like I felt like a failure in a lot of ways. And I felt like my body was letting me down. And it was like it was letting me down in terms of what my biggest purpose here on earth was. You know, but there's a lot of contradictions. And I'm sure I'm being contradictory in what I'm even saying. But I'm just being honest. Like it was like one minute I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to let go. And the next minute I was like, I can't let go. Like, this is, this is what I want. Right. And it's just like, it's the polarity of those emotions. And that's, you know, 100%. That's, like that's part of the problem with, with these, with these journeys is that we don't have conversations like this when we're going through them yeah. because it's too hard. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't have people in my life who would have had the conversation with me. I did, no, but it, it was, was you. It was me. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the stamina. I was just, I was, I was, I was struggling. Right. And I just, it, there's like an insularity to it, to infertility. And 
like I've, I never felt so alone, even though I have like the most loving husband and the most loving family and friends, I, I never felt as alone as I did when I was going through this. Absolutely. Kim, uh, you have taken us on a ride today. You know, I went from like being teary at the beginning to feeling your passion and your joy of, of being a mother, despite how hard the road is and all that stuff. But, you know, so, so I went on a bit of an emotional ride with you. So thank you. And I can only imagine that our listeners would have felt the same. Thank you for being so honest and articulate and, and spiritually open. Um, and I think a lot of people don't often talk in that kind of a way. And so thank you so much for, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. There's so many different kind of elements of what Kim just spoke about that we can tease apart and talk about. Um, and, and Elisa, I'm gonna to turn to you in a second, but I just wanted to make a comment and it kind of struck me. This came out kind of when Kim was talking about how many women who, who choose to become parents are doing so later than life. They're pursuing education, they're, they're possibly pursuing career. And so they're looking to become parents a little bit later and, and that sometimes comes with complication. But I think it's important to acknowledge the woman who chooses to not become a parent, that there are women out there who make a choice um, to not enter into parenthood uh, for all sorts of very valid reasons. And, and, and we don't need to go into this very much, but I just wanna put out that how the world can be so judgmental of women who choose to not do parenting, that there is this sometimes subtle and sometimes not subtle expectation that if you're a woman, you ought to have a child. And that's not always the case. Being a parent is not for everybody. And there are so many really important and valid reasons why someone might choose to not opt for parenting. And, and I certainly hope at some point in time, the world becomes a little bit more generous of spirit for, for women um, who choose to go that route. So I just want to make sure I said that out loud, but, but let's go back to kind of Kim's story. And, and you know, at least I, I, I saw you sitting there during my interview with Kim and, and absorbing and processing and, and hearing your story earlier. What is this, all this talk about kind of be entering into parenthood? What is it trigger for you? What does it bring to you by way of like thoughts and conclusions? The way that I see parenting is that it's full of confusion. And it brings me to this like really, really cheesy saying that is said like in Hollywood and all over the place about women. But I actually fundamentally, it's not that I believe it to be true. It's that I live it, is that you, you really can't have everything. But what I mean by that is for me, the confusion of parenting was and is when people say, oh, my family comes first. Well, what if you're in a career and in the, in the work environment where it's not like one comes first and then the other, it's they collide and they both exist in your life. So do both and do them the best that you can. That's how I've always operated. I think that the confusion of parenting and this idea of it, it's, it's because we have to be adaptable and we have to be flexible because our life plan does not 
happen and we have to make choices. We have to make hard choices. And I'm okay to talk about this here publicly and freely. I had to choose not to have a third child. It was a very hard decision for me. And I had to say, and I say it repeatedly inside my head and inside my heart, that is something that I will always regret a little, and that is okay. And why did I make that choice? Because I, I wanted my two children to have the best of me. I, I love my work and I want to do it well. And I don't want to have to put one before the other. My life just collides in this big tornado of Elisa's life and it all just exists. I don't make choices. I just do them all the best that I can. And I live, like I preach adaptability and flexibility to my kids. And, and so that's how I do parenting and life. And I think the people who choose not to have kids and the people who choose to devote years and years to their career and then have kids, the people like me who have no plan and then just like suddenly are a parent and suddenly have to build a career at the same time. It's all about just figuring it out and, and being okay with this idea of what was supposed to be may not be. And what may be was, it wasn't supposed to be, but that's okay too. And I think that it, I, I think that at the end of the day, it can be really beautiful and also really painful. Um, but I think it's soul building as cheesy as that sounds. I think it, it, it builds kind of cool people. And I think that it did that for me. And when I listened to Kim's story, I know that it did that for her and we couldn't have have different stories, but it, it did the same thing for us. It, it gave us grit and an interesting life. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful too. And I think, you know, anyone who's listening, you know, to your story, Elisa, and to Kim, you know, the power of both of your stories and essentially the messaging about it. And obviously today's episode, we're talking about like this idea of becoming a parent, but the themes of kind of letting go, letting go of, if people have a pre-scripted life plan, it's, that's a hard one because so often it just doesn't unfold that way. And so, and, and there's no better way to feel like the rug has pulled out from underneath your feet than the whole kind of umbrella of parenting. I daydream about what my life would be without my kids. I'm saying it out loud. I daydream about when they move out. I daydream about who Elisa would be. What would I do with my day? And I don't think that all parents do that. I think that there are parents who literally like get in and love every second and thrive off every moment. But then I imagine when their kids move out, that's when the life plan comes into effect. Like that's when you have to be flexible and adaptable because you've lost it. Whereas, I don't know, I'm going to cheer. <laughs> That's so funny. So I'm opposite. It's so funny. So here, my son is almost 17. He'll have one more year of high school before he's off to university. And he's already so clarified. Crazy. It's crazy. It's already, he's already clarified for me that he is definitely going away. And so anyone who's very, very close to me, I have already given them warning they all know like I could cry even just thinking about it the thought of when my kids leave when Manny leaves because he'll be first I'm like my soul is crushed 
<laughs> listen, we say these things out loud in the space because it's okay to do that. Like we all just, you know, it's, it, it's different for, it's really different for everybody. And I think that this is a really interesting segue into um, a really exciting episode that we have coming up next week. So we have been really wanting to have, we've had a dad's perspective on this podcast, but just for like three minutes. And next week we're interviewing two dads of the Dumb Dad podcast based in LA. And we're so excited to talk about all the things that we've talked about on this podcast already, but with moms. So vulnerability and um, parenting and the challenges and all that. And so we're really excited and really honored that they're going to be here. And we really hope that you will join us. So join us next week when we connect with the Dumb Dads of the Dumb Dad podcast. And we will look forward to talking to you then.